0: The reading is from uh, Leviticus chapter 16. The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron your brother not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil, because the mercy seat that is on the ark, so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way Aaron shall not shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering he shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body and he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban these are the holy garments he shall bathe his body in water and then put them on and he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel, two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two gods, one for the Lord and the other for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the Lord fell for the Lord, and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the Lord fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord, to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself." And he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handful of sweet (coughs) incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil. And put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it, with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side, and in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do it with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanliness of the people of Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of the meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanliness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place, until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat, and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of the meeting, and the altar he shall present the live god. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live God, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities On itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting, and shall take off the linen garment that he put on when he went into the holy place, and shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place, and put on his garment, and come out and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering for the of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who let the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes, and bathe his body in water, and afterwards he may come into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering, and the goat for the sin offering, Whose blood was brought into the, brought into make atonement in the holy place shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burnt up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterwards he may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourself and shall do, and shall do not work either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you and you shall afflict yourself. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement wearing the holy linen garment. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priest and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever For you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses.
1: Amen. Well, we're going to to read again, uh, this time from uh, Hebrews chapter 10. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to have that open in front of you. Hebrews chapter 10. And we'll read from verse 1 to verse 22. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities... Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, "Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you've taken no pleasure." Then I said, "Behold, I've come to do Your will, O God, as it is written in the book—sorry, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book." When He said above, "You've neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings, in burnt offerings and sin offerings." Those are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. How can you draw near to God? How can you draw near to God? That might not be a question you've ever asked yourself before or asked anyone else for that matter. How can I draw near to God? But it is a question, I think, that is worth asking. The one who made you, who made the world in which we live and sustains it every second of every day, the one who is absolutely perfect, completely pure in who he is and in what he does, how can you know him? Be close to him. Relate to him. You see, it isn't at all uncommon for people to chase an experience of God or at least an experience of a spiritual higher power, for example, by spending time in nature. A weekend in the hills for some is how they try to get close to God. Some people go on retreats where they spend time in meditation, And contemplation, a friend of mine spent a week at a retreat centre in complete silence, which I suspect may be harder for some of us than for others. And he did so all in order to to, to become closer to God. That was the objective. Some of us try to get close to God not by going somewhere to a retreat centre or out into the mountains, but by doing something. By trying to please him, living in a way to to garner his approval, to make ourselves worthy of his company. See, we might try and answer the question, might try and get close to God in a number of different ways. But none of them really seem adequate. Now I should say, this question isn't one that I've, I've thought up myself. It's one of the key questions, one of the golden threads that runs all the way through the Bible. How can imperfect people, limited people, unclean even people, draw near to the perfectly right and awesomely pure God? And the Bible addresses that question from multiple different angles, from start to finish. And we're going to spend the bulk of our time over the next few minutes thinking about one of those angles, which will tell us that the way to come close to God is through a couple of goats, You heard me right Through a couple of goats Now that might seem like a fairly random idea Not something you tend to give much thought to On a Sunday evening But it is anything but random We're introduced to those two goats In the book of Leviticus And I'm well aware that to to lots of people Even to lots of long-standing Christians Leviticus is a bit of a mystery Often seen either as as a bit of a scary book perhaps Or a confusing book perhaps even an irrelevant book, and you might even have have thought as much as as Sibby started reading from Leviticus earlier in the service. It feels full of ritual and of sacrifice and might well feel quite removed from our experience in our everyday lives. But in reality, it has a lot to teach us, and perhaps nowhere more so than in the chapter Sibby did read, Leviticus 16. Because you see, that chapter tells us about some of the ceremonies that were to take place on a day called the Day of Atonement. And as we read that chapter a few minutes ago, you might have noticed that two of the key characters in Leviticus 16 are two goats. The first goat, we are told, was to be sacrificed in order to make atonement for God's people. Just read that with me again. Verse 15 of Leviticus 16. We read, Then he shall kill the goat of the sin-offering, That is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. Quote number one is sacrificed, we are told in order to make atonement. What is atonement? Well, it's a word that carries with it quite a few different ideas. It conveys the idea of forgiveness, of somehow obtaining forgiveness after having done something wrong. Linked to that, the idea of averting wrath or or, or dealing with someone's anger is implicit in the word atonement too. It also conveys the idea of of ransom, the substitutionary payment of one life for another. And we also see in the text itself of Leviticus 16, verses 16 and 19, that it has something to do with cleansing or making clean. Atonement is necessary, we are told, because of the people's spiritual uncleanness. In summary, atonement is about making things right. And that's what this first goat was meant to do. To make people right with God. There is a second goat too, though. The scapegoat. Leviticus 16, verse 20. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat And confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. He shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all the iniquities on itself to a remote area. And he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. The second goat isn't sacrificed, but is sent away. But not until a priest, a man called Aaron, has first laid his hands on the head of the goat and has confessed the sins of the people. And by doing that, he was symbolically transferring the people's sins, the people's rebellion and uncleanness to the goat. How is that any different from the first goat? Well, goat number two is sent away, notice, to a solitary place, or as one translation would have it, to a land of cutting off. And there are multiple points in Leviticus where we read about people being excluded or being cut off from God's people. And that is usually an act of God's punishment as a result of human sin. See, the clear implication is that this second goat in Leviticus suffers the same fate. He is cut off from God's people because of human sin. Now, why does any of that matter, one jot, to you or to me? Well, because it does help us at least begin to answer the question I began with a few moments ago. How do we get close to God? And I should say, I'm not introducing that idea into the text of Leviticus 16. We get a real sense of that from the first verse of the chapter. We read that the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died. That's mentioned as if it's an incidental detail, but it isn't. Aaron's sons were called Nadab and Abihu. And we're told that they tried to approach God, to draw near to him. Tried to do that by making an offering, but did it in a way that was in their own style, their own way, of their own making, and not in God's. And that attempt provoked God's anger. It wasn't safe for them to draw near to God and to make things up as they went along. And they were both consumed by fire, we're told, in Leviticus 10. The point being made, I think, is that God's wrath, his good and right and settled anger at human rebellion against his rule, at human uncleanness, it has to be dealt with in order for us to draw near to him. The message of Leviticus 16 is that only by performing sacrifices in the manner God has asked for is that possible. So these goats may seem fairly random as I mentioned them, but they really did matter. And yet even they were only a picture. And we see that in our second reading this evening in Hebrews chapter ten. We read Hebrews chapter ten, verse eleven, that every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. You see, the problem with the goats, or at least one problem with the goats, Is that there never really were just two. There were two each year of course. But then there were two the next year. And two the next year. And the year after that. And the year after that. And it was an endless cycle. And Jesus came. We're told. To end that cycle. He did that, notice, with a single sacrifice, not of another goat, but of himself. And why did he do that? Well, he did it so that we could draw near. That's how the author to the Hebrews concludes this little unit. Read with me, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water see that is what we celebrate what we commemorate tonight as we take bread and wine together that God has made a way for us to draw near to him not by going out into the mountains wonderful though that might be not by going on a retreat and staying in silence for a week. Not by trying to please him. Not even by the sacrifice of two goats. But by the sacrifice of his own son on the cross. Praise God that we can know him. That we can draw near to him can rightly relate to him both now and into eternity because of jesus now we're going to to do that now in the quiet of our own hearts as we take communion together